I apologise for that, but I think you'll find this a bit more interesting. Face front, true believers, it's the Stephen or Else podcast, episode number eight. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast, the show bent on world domination. I'm your host, Stephen, and I've been watching a lot of the comic book men recently. This was a show on AMC uh, with a Kevin Smith show set in his comic book store, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. And if you've ever seen Pawn Stars, this is Pawn Stars in a comic book store. Uh, but they have these little interludes. They begin and end each episode, and then they have these little interludes in which they are doing a podcast called Comic Book Men, and they're talking about what happened over the course of the week in the store, and then they show what what happened along with it. Um, but Kevin Smith starts every episode by saying, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Men podcast, the only podcast that... Basically the same way I start most of my episodes. And I just want to say that I did it first, over a decade ago, sucker. Of course, he's a better writer and he has a bigger audience, but that's not the point. All right, so things are going to be just a slight bit different on on the podcast going forward. Um, Working the two jobs that I do, uh, I don't have a lot of time to really sit down and do uh, a lot of editing when it comes to this show. And when I'm doing the silly stuff that I love, the commercials and the sketches and, and all that, it just, it, it does take a lot of editing. It takes a lot of time to do that. And I thought I was going to be able to have enough time to do that, but circumstances have arisen and I am not able to do that as much as I want. So we're still going to have pretty much the same basic podcast. I'm going to talk about nerd stuff. Uh, it's just that it's, Instead of it's just not going to have all that silly stuff. And what we're going to do instead is I'll have a segment here at the beginning in which I have announcements, any news stories that might uh, make me happy uh, or angry. And then we'll talk about comics and we'll talk about TV and movies if there's anything that I've watched that I want to talk about. And then what I'll do is in between each one of the segments, I am going to play a bit of a song from wherever. Uh, for example, uh, this episode, we're going to hear some some music from Michael Kill. Um, and I'll have uh, information on where to find him and where to look up, you know, to get his music and whatnot. Next episode, we're probably going to feature some songs from Adam Warrock. And whoever is willing to let me play their songs on my, on my show, that's the music we're going to listen to. Um, just some updates on what's going on with me. Uh, I finished the uh, volume three of Paper Girls. If you remember in episode two, I talked about uh, the first, it was actually a, uh, a hardback collection. I, I was reading it digitally, but it was the first 10 issues of Paper Girls, which if you're reading the trade paperbacks would be volumes one and two. Uh, well, recently, uh, just last night, actually, I finished volume three, which collects issues 11 through 15. And this book is just, this book still really kicks a lot of butt. I mean, this is just a great book. Who'd have thunk that I would be enjoying a book about four 12-year-old girls who deliver papers? But it's pretty awesome. 
if you haven't read it, you should. I'm that, I'm I'm not really going to talk about it on that on this episode. But uh, beyond that, um, man, I've got a lot of trades that I picked up from the library that I'm hoping to be able to talk about moving forward. I'm I'm going to start doing this new thing on my other podcast, which is the podcast that is exclusive to patrons over on the Patreon where I'm going to do single-issue episodes. I'm calling them single-issue episodes, where I just pick a random comic and talk about it. Just a random single-issue from amongst my collection. Uh, And it's it's literally going to be, I'll just reach into a box, pull out a a comic, read it, and then just talk about it. And so far, I've done two. I've only released one. The other one, I'm banking. I'm going to try to do as many as I can and just keep them banked. Because they're only going to be about 15, 20 minutes long. But the one that is out right now uh, is... I'm talking about Daredevil issue 168, which is the first appearance of Elektra. So that's out there right now if you're a, if you're a patron. If you're not, I'm only asking a dollar a month. A dollar a month and you're getting an extra podcast a week. You get this one for free and this podcast is pretty amazing. But you'll also get my other podcast, which is called My Other Podcast. And lately I've been releasing two episodes a week because they're really easy and quick to put together and they're not that long and I can throw them together pretty quickly and get them out there on the the patron. So I encourage folks to do that. Uh, As far as what else I'm reading right now, um, I picked up the first trade of Power Pack Classic Volume 1, an old Marvel comic from the 80s starring a super team of small children. I'm looking forward to reading that. And uh, I downloaded on the Hoopla a uh, DC collection that collects all of John Byrne's work through DC that wasn't, you know, like single issues that he did, like annuals and special issues and, and whatnot. So I started reading that the other day, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Beyond that, the only other thing I want to talk about before we really get into some comic goodness, it appears that they canceled Iron Fist on uh, Netflix after season two, which is a shame. I am one of the few people that did somewhat enjoy season one, and season two was even better. And of course, it ended in such a mind-blowing fashion that I have to see how that all turns out. Now, the... the uh, I think the blurb that they put out there, the announcement, did say something to the effect of, we're not done with Iron Fist on Netflix, but we're just done with the show. So if that means, please, a Heroes for Hire, Power Man and Iron Fist show, that needs to happen. Uh, Probably what it means more than anything is that Iron Fist is going to show up in some of the other shows and maybe we'll get another Defenders season. Who knows? But... um, that's really all I got as far as your opening announcements and news and and stuff that's going on in my nerd life. So how about we just move on? I got two different uh, comics that I want to talk about. We're going to talk about some an, an old uh, three-issue run of Daredevil from the 80s. And then we're going to talk about uh, Irredeemable by Mark Wade and Peter Krause. So let's take a little break, listen to a little music, and we'll come back and we'll talk about some Daredevil. Living 
the long struggle used to feel less worth it these days it takes me places i don't even know if i deserve it but there's moments nobody understands the hurt and rather be with my kids and stand it here blurting words that people who might never understand the things that i say or the way that i am i hear a little girl's voice on the phone and understand it girl you do come first and you're too little to get it i know it's the worst and that's why i have to do this i can't stop oh harder till my heart finally stops and when you're finally old enough to understand hope you find it in your heart to forgive your old man hush, hush, little baby, don't you cry. i'll be home soon i swear it was on my way to Brooklyn with the tears in my face. She said to come home, but I was too far for that place. I was driving through the snow. Ties took me further away. Talking about the fire level. Okay, full disclosure here. Um, as the time, as of the time I'm recording this episode, I know that I'm going to be playing songs by Michael Kill. I haven't actually decided which songs I was going to put in the episode. So I have no idea what it was you just listened to. I know it was good but I don't know which song you just listened to uh, or part of the song because I'm not pulling putting the full songs in. But I will choose them and put them into the episode as I'm editing, and uh, I will have all the information as far as which songs they were in the show notes of the episode and how to find them and all, and all that good stuff online. Uh, so as I said before the break, uh, we're going to be talking about some issues of Daredevil. I mistakenly said a three-issue run. It's actually a four-issue run. Daredevil issues 169 through 172 uh, from March of 81 through July of 81. And this these actually come from a, a collection that I got through Hoopla that is the uh, Frank Miller Daredevil Volume 1. And it collects Daredevil issues 158 through 161. It skips issue 162 and then moves on to issues 163 through 172. It also includes, uh, at the very beginning of the trade, uh, two issues of Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, issues 27 and 28. And I believe the only reason they put them in is because they both feature Daredevil and both of them were penciled by Frank Miller. Um, now, the four issues I'm going to talk about, they were all written and uh, drawn by Frank Miller. Klaus Jansen was the inker. Glennis Ween was the colorist. And Joe Rosen was the letterer. Um, now, I just happened to be reading um, Daredevil and thinking ahead to Friday the new season of Daredevil is coming on to Netflix season three. And based on what very little I know about the season, if you're trying to avoid any kind of spoilers, even though the the shows aren't out yet, then you don't want to listen. I spoil the crap out of stuff, but what little I know about this upcoming season is that a, the Kingpin is back and B bullseye is in it. So as I'm reading through this collection of, uh, Daredevil comics, I get to uh, these last four issues, 169 through 172, and I start to think, is there a good chance that season three will be loosely based off of these four issues? Because A, Bullseye is featured in these four issues, and B, Daredevil encounters the Kingpin for the first time. And it's actually, Kingpin is out of the country and then comes back for a particular reason. 
and it involves bullseye. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, well, there's really no reason why you wouldn't base an entire season out of this four issue run. It would be really easy, you know, easy to do. It's a, it's a really good storyline. And, uh, I would not be surprised if I start watching Daredevil on Friday and find that I am correct. Of course, I might be wrong, but that's the reason why I wanted to talk about these four issues, because I have a feeling that that we're going to see some of this in season three. So the first issue is issue 169. It's just simply entitled Devils. And what we have here is Bullseye has escaped from jail. And he seems to have gone over the bend. He has, he's gone up against Daredevil at least once, probably twice, uh, I believe twice by this point. I know that earlier in this, in, in these issues, he had hired uh, some men to, to quote unquote kill Daredevil, though he didn't expect any of them, any of them to succeed. He just wanted to get film footage of Daredevil fighting so he could prepare himself to fight him. But Daredevil, of course, wins and Bullseye goes to jail and now he's broken out, but he seems to be uh, a little, a little twisted in the head because everyone that he sees, he sees as Daredevil. And there's this scene in the opening of the comic book where he's walking down the street and everybody on the street is daredevil. And he just starts killing people because he thinks they're all daredevil. And it's really quite horrifying because he's literally just walking down the sidewalk in New York city. Think about New York city sidewalks, how busy they are just full of people. And he's got a knife and he's just stabbing people and killing them. And eventually he runs across a tailor shop. He goes in, he convinces the guy to see somehow can, I'm sure by threat of violence, convinces the man to uh, put together a new bullseye costume for him. And then of course he kills the man. Um, And then we find out that the reason why this is going on is just before he broke out of jail, he was actually scheduled to have surgery. They discovered that he had a brain tumor. And this might be the reason why he's going a little crazy. And so Daredevil needs to go, Daredevil wants to go find him. He wants to save him. Um, Bullseye is, at this point has now, he's now in a movie theater where they're watching some Humphrey Bogart movie. And he, I don't, I don't know why he went to the movie theater. He's just, he's just hanging out in there and he's talking to himself loudly. And somebody behind him is like, Hey jerk, keep it down which of course Bullseye thinks it's Daredevil and starts kicking this person's butt. Daredevil happens to be coming by. Somebody runs out of the theater. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening in there. And Daredevil rushes in to put a stop to it. Now this is when the fight commences. And really the whole purpose of this issue is that as far as how it ties into the other three issues, Daredevil and Bullseye have this epic battle that leads from the uh, movie theater into a subway because he fights him in the movie theater. Bullseye gets away because he has two hostages. Daredevil manages to track him down again and they have a fight uh, in a... They start out in 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 an apartment building because Bullseye takes these two hostages back to their apartment. Um, Daredevil catches up with them there. They start fighting they're he crashed through the door of the apartment. They're rolling down the stairs. Bullseye runs away. He goes into a subway. 
Daredevil runs into the subway. A blast of a horn from the from a train that's passing by just you know does havoc on his radar senses and screws his hearing up. So now he's deaf, but he tackles Bullseye and they fall off of the platform onto the tracks and they're just fighting. They're just kicking the crap out of each other and eventually Daredevil wins. Bullseye is laying on the tracks. He can't. He's unconscious. He can't move. Daredevil is out of strength. He can barely move. He can barely pick himself up. But there's a train coming. There's a train. I hear that train coming. And Daredevil, for a moment, thinks, you know what? I don't even have the strength to lift myself barely off these tracks. I'm just going to leave him. But at the last moment, he manages to dig up enough strength, pull Bullseye from the tracks, and save Bullseye's life. And the the detective that he's been working with, I don't remember his name, he's pretty upset about that. How dare you save a man's life? And, you know, Daredevil, well, I can't, I can't just let, a, let somebody die, you know, if there's something that I can do to prevent that. And, of course, the detective tells him, you realize that he's probably not going to go to prison, that they're going to use his brain tumor as his defense, that he temporary insanity based on his brain tumor. Everyone that he's killed up until this point, he's they're, they're going to let him go. And Daredevil said, you know, Daredevil's like, well, if that's what happens, that that's what happens. So then we move into issue number 170, and it's called The Kingpin Must Die. And we find out that the kingpin of crime is now living in New York City. Not New York. He was living in New York City. Now he's living in Japan. He has married a woman named Vanessa, who we have met in the TV show. And he is living in Japan and he's no longer involved in crime. He, he's, a, he's a spice merchant. But he has millions and millions and millions of dollars that he did acquire illegally. Um, so they're living in comfort. And when we first meet the kingpin in Frank Miller's run... He is actually in a dojo and he's fighting a handful of men. And it looks like, let's see, one, two, three, four, possibly six men, some of which are armed with stabs and nunchucks. And the kingpin takes them all out. And he's kind of upset about that. He tells his his right-hand man, Mr. Lynch, you know, next time, you know, this was too easy. Next time uh, I want more men and more of them using weapons. And one of these guys is on the floor and he's getting in and and one of his friends is helping him up and he's like we're all world-class martial artists and he just went through us like we were nothing and refer to him as the kingpin which the kingpin tries to kill him for but Vanessa shows up and talks, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this kind of stuff anymore, honey bunny, doodly doo. And of course, the kingpin doesn't kill him. Now, in the meantime, his right-hand man, Lynch, he's kind of upset about this. He feels that the kingpin has lost his edge, and if he's wrapped around Vanessa's little finger, and she calls the shots now, and he's not that happy about it. In the meantime, back in New York, actually, before we go back to New York, uh, somebody shows up because we find out that the kingpin has files on all these crime bosses in New York. So once he left, it opened up a vacuum. And now there's all these, these various crime bosses trying to, um, you know, run the whole, run all the crime in New York. 
and the district attorney wants to put them all in jail. And Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, has all these files on these men and everything that he has could put them all into prison, send them all to prison for the rest of their lives. And the district attorney is trying to make a deal with Wilson Fisk because he doesn't go by the kingpin anymore. So I'm going to stop calling him the kingpin. And uh, Vanessa, his wife, is not only encourages him to do so, she goes to New York to hire the services of Murdoch and Nelson as Wilson Fisk's lawyer. Now she takes, he of course sends with her a few, a couple of bodyguards. She comes to New York. She meets with, um, Matt Murdoch and Foggy and gunshots suddenly sail through the windows and Matt ducks out, changes into daredevil, goes to find out what's going on. It was all a distraction because when he gets back, Vanessa has been kidnapped. So this is all part of this big scheme um, to get King, to get Wilson Fisk to come back to New York. Now, in the meantime, Bullseye has had his surgery. He's, his, his brain tumor has been removed. And of course, he has been released from prison as an innocent man. Daredevil follows him and he finds out that the, these crime bosses have hired Bullseye to kill Wilson Fisk. They just need to get him back in the country, back to New York. And they do that by kidnapping Vanessa. Daredevil and Bullseye have a big fight. Bullseye kicks his butt. And that's pretty much how the issue ends. Um, so issue 171, Wilson Fisk has now come to New York. And he's got a plan. He knows how to get Vanessa back. And so he's got his briefcase full of all the files they tell him that the, the you know the bad guy the the crime bosses say meet us at this construction site come alone. Uh, his right hand man, um, Mister Lynch, drives him there, and he tells Lynch, you know, you want me to come with you, boss? And he says, no, you stay in the car. If you want, you know, if you don't want anything to happen to you, you stay in the car and keep the windows up. So, Fisk goes out into the construction site. There's Vanessa tied to an I beam. And he sets the briefcase down, clicks a little button, and this sonic, um, high-pitched sonic frequency comes out of the, the briefcase and disables everyone within the vicinity, except for him because he's wearing earplugs. And except for Lynch, who's in the car with the, with the windows up. And so just like that, he's won. He's got Vanessa back. He's going to go free her. They're going to go back to Japan. They're going to put all these men in prison. But somebody lurking in the shadows fires a mortar or a rocket or something, blows up the, the building that's, that's being constructed, and all of the, the entire building falls on top of Vanessa, apparently killing her. Wilson Fisk goes back to the car. Lynch is there. He tells Lynch what's happened, and Lynch said, it was them. It was the crime bosses. You can't let them get away with this. They killed your wife. And so Wilson, he goes, you have, you have to take over. You have to kill them all, take over and, you know, and punish them. And he becomes the kingpin again. And so that's what he does. He, it's, there's actually a really good moment where, um, well, we're not, we're not there yet. So Daredevil goes to a bar called Josie's where all these criminals, low, low level criminals hang out, such as Turk. You'll know these names from the show if you've never read the books. 
and he goes in in his regular clothes, but he's got like a little hat on and sunglasses, so nobody can recognize that he's Matt Murdock. And he wants information about the kingpin. He wants to meet the kingpin. And everybody in the bar decides, oh, you said kingpin's name. We're all going to beat you up. And he kicks everybody's butt. He beats everybody up in the bar. And he ends up being taken to the kingpin. And he tells the kingpin that he wants to work for him, that he is a, a, a great assassin. And a guy comes up behind him with a gun. And without even looking at him, Daredevil throws like a pen behind him. And it goes into the barrel of the gun. And Kingpin's like, you're hired. But of course, while Kingpin, then Kingpin leaves and Matt Murdock uses this opportunity to try to steal the files. Um, Kingpin knew that he was lying all along and he kicks Matt's butt and has Turk and a couple other guys take him off somewhere to kill him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be brief here. Um, so then what happens here is, uh, so they kill Vanessa Kingpin becomes the kingpin of crime again, and Daredevil has been thrown into a, a big water pipe to drown to death. That's where that's where this issue ends. Then then we come to issue 172, the last issue. It's called Gang War. Daredevil, of course, escapes, and the kingpin holds a meeting and invites all these crime bosses to the meeting. And they bring Bullseye with him. And there's this really great moment where Kingpin is he he uh, he comes to the meeting. All the crime bosses are sitting around the table. Kingpin sits down and they're all like, what's he going to do? We got Bullseye here. And Bullseye comes up behind Kingpin and is holding a gun to the back of his head. And Kingpin basically says, you know, I'm, I'm kind of counting on Bullseye's intelligence here because I think deep down he knows that you guys are through and that if he wants any kind of future and he wants to be paid, he's going to back me instead of you. And Bullseye kind of thinks to himself, you know what? He's right. And he puts his gun away. And the kingpin doesn't kill these men, however. He tells them, I'm not going to kill you, but you know what? I am going to send you all to prison because that's what you deserve. Well, in the meantime, Daredevil comes and he finds uh, Bullseye and they start fighting. But there's this, man, there's this moment where after the meeting, Kingpin is sitting at the table and his man Lynch comes in and he goes, wasn't that great? Did you see the looks on their faces? They're never going to cross you again. And... Kingpin just grabs him by the back of the head and smashes his face into the table. And he tells him, I know that you're the one that fired that rocket that killed my wife. And the reason he knows is because Lynch has had a headache for the past however long it's been since it happened. Because he was out there when that sonic frequency was going on and he didn't get the full blast. He got enough to get a headache. And so Kingpin beats him to death with his bare hands. So Daredevil tracks down where Bullseye is, and the issue ends with Daredevil and Bullseye fighting. Daredevil's really kind of upset because he let Bullseye live. He had the chance to stop him. He let Bullseye live. Anybody that Bullseye killed after that point is on, the blood is on Daredevil's hands. Hello, Mr. Train. And so they're fighting, and there's this, there's a really awesome scene here where Bullseye is on top of Daredevil punching him and then he grabs Bullseye by the throat to choke him to death and Daredevil grabs Bullseye by the throat. So yeah, Bullseye's on top of Daredevil punching him. Bullseye grabs Daredevil by the throat to choke him to death. Daredevil then grabs Bullseye by the throat and they're both squeezing each other's throat. 
who's who's gonna who's gonna back off first? Well, it's Bullseye. Once he realizes that Daredevil's gonna kill him too, he starts freaking out and he lets go and he's begging him, please don't don't kill me. And in the end, he doesn't. He just chokes him unconscious. Unconscious. And Kingpin shows up and he says, uh, "Here, I'm gonna let you live, Daredevil. Here's my briefcase with all the files from all these." crime bosses you take it to where it needs to be so they can all go to prison and daredevil leaves and then there's a one-page epilogue at the end where we find out vanessa is still alive but she doesn't remember anything and that's how the run ends it was freaking awesome it was a great story the art was so so in certain certain areas but great in others um i think dare i think frank miller in general is not a great artist it depends on what he's what he's drawing, but when he has a good inker to, to ink on top of him, I think some of his, his, his art is very dynamic. He, he writes, uh, he has really good, you know, poses and sees things from different angles, but I have a feeling this is what we're going to see in season three of Daredevil. And if not, doesn't matter. You're probably going to get a great story there in season three of Daredevil. And we got a great story here in volume one of Frank Miller's Daredevil. And that's all I got to say about this issue. Let's take another break. We'll listen to some more music. Then I'm going to come back and talk about Irredeemable. To a broken home, mother and father gone. Most of my days I'm sitting here alone. Spent my time studying and thinking of something better. The world was a dark place before we stood together. I could feel I was meant for something greater than this. I knew, who knew that something would take shape in you. I saw something I thought you saw in me. Something must have changed. We drifted eventually. We could have stood at his hill to the end of time, but he had other plans. And truthfully, your heart was never mine. Who can blame you? Eventually turned away, so I put my time in darker pursuits. I must say, it's true I would have hurt him if it wouldn't hurt you. Instead, I held my tongue rather than just prove I was the monster you were afraid I'd become. Change my path, become a better someone. Gave it his torch with me for a long time. Gave it his with me till the day I die. Even now, when I close my eyes, I only see your face. Always. Gave it his torch with me for a long time. Gave it his with me till the day I die. Even now, when I close my eyes, I only see your face. Always. Once you were gone, I thought that empty space inside. Nowadays, it's behind a scowl where I hide. Spent so many years just living a lie, but not for all the right reasons. It's okay, cool. we're back. And this time, we're going to be talking about Irredeemable Volume 1. This was created and written by Mark Wade. The artist is Peter Krause. The colorist is Andrew Dollhouse. And the letterer is Ed Dukeshire. So <clears throat> this, uh, this is a book I read as it was coming out back in the day. Let's see, when was, the trade was published in 2009. I can't remember, I guess the issues would have been coming out around that time. But this is from Boom Studios. And this, this tells the tale if, uh, if you want to use uh, the character in this story, uh, the plutonium, the plutonian as an analog for Superman, this is what ha would happen if Superman sudden just decide uh, if Superman went evil. 
course, they are kind of telling that story now in the Injustice books, which we talked about last week. But this is a bit more hardcore. Um, in this trade, in this volume, we don't know why the Plutonian has gone bad. We only know that he has. We learn, I'm sure we learn at some point in the future, in future issues, what happened, what made him snap. But all we really know at this point is, so he used to be like the world's greatest hero. And he he really is an analog for Superman. He can fly. He's invulnerable. He has, he can hear. Um, his hearing is so great that he could hear around the world. Um, he has some type of laser vision that comes out of his eyes and he's super, super fast, super speed. He is basically an unstoppable force. And when the trade opens up, he's actually, this is, uh, the house of another hero. I don't think they say the hero's name at all in this, but it's at this guy's house where he and his family live. And the plutonium, the plutonian, what a what a freaking hard name to say. The plutonian is there, and this this other hero, or he could be. A, I'm assuming he's a hero. He's trying to get his family out. He's waking his young daughter up, scaring her to death. His wife is there with holding their baby, but it's too late. The plutonian's there. And the first thing he does is he uses his heat vision, his laser vision, whatever whatever it is, and he kills the man's wife and small baby. And he basically just melts everything off of their skeleton. Just one blast and boom, they're just skeletons crashing to the floor. Um, and then he ends up killing the hero and we assume his daughter as well. We don't actually see him killing the daughter but he kills the hero and the daughter is laying there on the floor in the underground layer of this hero. Now there's a, there's a view screen. There's a, like a monitor in there showing a news feed that says Hornet unable to stop Plutonian rampage. So this may be the Hornet, but she's laying there in tears, scared to death. And the Plutonian looks down at her and he says, do you know who I am, Sarah? And he whispers in her ear, I'm a superhero. And then the house explodes and the plutonium flies, plutonium flies away. So I'm not going to go as in-depth in this issue as I did with the Daredevil books. But in this, in this or, or in this trade anyway, this volume, but you have a, su a, a super team called the Paradim. And they are trying to find out as much as they can about the plutonium. So if you want to say that the plutonium is an analog for Superman, there's actually some really major differences between the two. The Plutonian, first of all, has been very secretive uh, among the other superheroes as far as who he is, where he comes from, where he got his powers. Um, they don't know anything about him other than the fact that he is a superhero who is apparently unstoppable. His stomping grounds was a city called Sky City. And at this point in the story, Sky City has been leveled. The Plutonian rained down meteorites on S Sky City and just leveled the city. There's hardly anyone left alive in the city. And he used to wear this white costume with a red cape 
And now his costume is black and red with no cape. And again, we don't know what it was that drove him away, but this superhero team is trying to figure out how to stop him. And the only way they can do that is by trying to gather as much information about this man as they can to see if there is any any clue as to how to stop him. Um, what they do learn in this trade is that at one they, they found the woman who um, the only woman everyone anyone has ever known to be the Plutonian's girlfriend. And she is still living in Sky City. She's one of the few people still living in Sky City. And she ends up telling one of the heroes, you know, about the first time that they met. And you find out that he was, uh, he was posing. She worked at a, like a, a news studio, uh, I believe, like a radio station. And the Plutonian worked there as well. He had a secret identity. Uh, and the guy used to, used to, uh, she could tell that this guy had a crush on her, but she, you know, she didn't really have a thing for him. She didn't think he was creepy or anything, but then she starts going out with the Plutonian. And then eventually he tells her, I'm really Dan Hardigan, I think the guy's name was. Well, in most comic books, when you have the hero revealing his secret identity to the woman that he loves and she is in love with him, um, she tends to, oh my goodness, you know, it's really dumb. But in this one, he tells her, I'm Dan Hardigan and I'm really the Plutonian. And she freaks out. She tells him he's crazy. Uh, why has he been lying her, to her this time? Is this kind of, all, all this time, why is this, you know, is this some kind of sick joke? Is this some little game you play? Is this what you get off on? Is, uh, you know, making me think you're someone else? And she, she just really doesn't handle it well. And she runs into um, like a sound booth um, with a bunch, there's a bunch of people in there, engineers and a, and a, and a, you know, the on-voice personality, all this stuff. And she, first thing she does, she opens the door and she goes, Dan Hardigan is the Plutonian. And he comes running in after her and he has not made any effort to conceal the fact that he's now the Plutonian because the Plutonian has different colored hair. He had been wearing a wig. He had taken the wig off. He'd opened up his shirt. His costume is on underneath it. And the guy in front of the mic goes, oh my gosh, we have to tell the world about this. And he flips a switch and he says, you know, this just in, the Plutonian is really Dan Hardigan, employee at, and he just, the, the Plutonian just freaks out and he, he flies out of the room through the ceiling and makes it to the satellite. It's like the, the signal from the station to the satellite should take 3.2 seconds before then it's beamed all over the, you know, the earth. He makes it up there before, you know, within that, you know, before that 3.2 seconds is up and destroys the satellite. So the information doesn't get out. And then he comes back down and he just starts screaming at everybody. Do you know what you've done? You now know my secret. Your lives are now in danger. All of my enemies will use you to get to me. And they're like, well, we're not going to tell anybody. Really? You're not going to tell anybody? You're not going to have a moment of weakness? Can you be sure that anyone else in this room is not going to tell anybody? And you find out that eventually, that over the years, each one of these people have died committing suicide because they couldn't live with the fear anymore. So we see in that moment that he's not entirely stable because he, you know, first of all, his girlfriend doesn't handle it very well. And then he doesn't handle her reaction very well. And he, I mean, he handles it probably the way any normal person might handle something like that. But of course, he is the most powerful person in, on the earth. He is basically a god. 
Um, so the only other scene I wanted to talk about in this issue is the UN is meeting and the ambassador for the United States is trying to get the other ambassadors from the UN to form, you know, a coalition to try to stop the, uh, the Plutonian, you know, if they marshal all their forces, maybe they can stop him. And a lot of these other ambassadors are like, we don't, we can't stop him. He's unstoppable. Are you kidding me? He's, he, he can hear what we're talking about right now, no matter where he's at in the world, he can hear what we're talking about. We don't want the Pluton, you know, we want to offer, you know, Singapore at one point is, uh, I, well, I think the ambassador to Kenya says we want to offer, Kenya as the Plutonian's new home. We'll set him up. He, he can be our king and he can rule over us. And Singapore's like, no, we want him to, to come to live in Singapore. You know, he can, he can be, you know, fabulously wealthy and have all this power over all of us. And then the, the Plutonian shows up and he's like, no, please continue. Uh, and he looks at the guy from Singapore and he goes, tell, tell me, why is it that you want me to live in Singapore. And as he's talking to him, he's listening to the man's heartbeat. And the man basically says, because we love you or something like that. And he can tell by the man's heartbeat that he's lying. So to punish him, he flies out into space and he finds diamonds in meteorites and throws them through the atmosphere into Singapore. Uh, and there's the, the island. He's, he's trying to cover the island in diamonds and uh, the, the other superhero team who has managed to find a place where they can hide from him, uh, and he doesn't know they're there, they see what's going on, and there, there's a certain uh, team member named Cubit who is apparently a genius, and he realizes what it is that the Plutonian is trying to do. And so they each have these teleportation bracelets. They all teleport to Singapore and their job is rescue as many people as you can. We can't stop them. Rescue as many people as you can. Open up portals. Get them out of here. That's that's the mission. And they're they're getting people out and he's still got a big crowd of people. You know, they're, they're, he, they're, there's millions of people on this island. They, they're, they're not getting a chance to rescue them all. He starts... Cubit starts yelling at the plutonium. You can't do this. These are millions of people that you're going to die, that you know, that you're going to kill. Plutonium flies down and grabs the uh, teleportation bracelet off Cubit's wrist. Thank you, Mr. Train, for being stupid. And uh, Cubit is yelling, you can't do this. All these people are going to die. And Plutonium just looks at him and he goes, choose 10. And Cubit's like, whoa, my God, what, what am I going to do? And he just goes, okay, you, 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 you. I'm sorry, there's no other way to do this. He grabs 10 people. They they all move aside. And then Plutonian just vaporizes the, those 10 people with his with his eyes. And he looks at Cubit and he says, that's how that feels. He gives him his bracelet back and he goes back to throwing diamonds down on the island. Cubit gets as many people out as he can. And then plutonium pushes the island underwater and drowns everyone else. And that's kind of how the issue ends. It's just freaking scary. It's, it's just a scary, horrifying idea that someone like Superman could just turn into, you know, from the world's greatest hero to, the, to just this homicidal maniac that would kill at a whim. There's even a scene at one point where he is watching a couple. He's in their room. He's making a couple... Um, have sex. Sorry, I have to say it. And he's watching them, and one 
uh, has short blonde hair like he does, the, the man, and the woman is wearing a black wig to resemble one of the one of the heroines on the, the paradigm. It's just freaking, he's just a creepy, creepy, it's, he's a creepy homicidal god is what he is. And that's, that's the first volume. And I am definitely going to get the others because I do want to finish this story because I remember it getting even better as it goes along. But I never did, I never finished, never finished the series and I'm really looking forward to finishing it. So that's irredeemable. Let's take another break and then we will uh, wrap up the episode and I'll send you on your way. How does that sound? Sound good? Let's do it. Another cold winter, but a back to burn. Everybody got an eagle that about to hurt. I give it a cold shoulder like a love of sperm. But I get it a betty and your respect is earned. Spun a couple records, now the tables turn. Spit it on your fables, now the lessons learned. Graveyard shift, digging up my past. Held on to my stomach until I got the last laugh. Held my hands, white knuckles to the whole crash. Now a day stack, but I can't get the cash. Acid bath, cannibal, make a splash. Pissing off old homies like a dame and dash. Understand we get the joke. You cast the losers in a haze of smoke. I was there at the start and I'm ready to blaze for folks. Your first mistake was that you ever spoke. <laughs> you think that's funny? It's a What are you in? Singing and dancing. Story weed, sex, murder. Hearts are out of life. I'm just like Best advice I ever got was to kill your heroes. Roll with a crew with like minded weirdos. They say it's from the ground neglect the heroes. Raise your voice. Hey, so that's the episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. I always enjoy doing it. I enjoy putting these, t- these things together, even though I'm out in my car. And even though it was below freezing just two days ago, it's nice and warm today. I almost feel like there's a higher power out there that just doesn't want me to to do this podcast, or at least they don't want me to be comfortable. They want me to suffer, suffer for my art. This is so not art. So let's just wrap things up here. Um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say. I had it right there on the tip of my tongue and I can't quite remember what it was. Oh, I want to remind everybody that uh, episode 10 is coming up. And I want to do an Ask Me Anything episode, an AMA. Um, But in order to do that, y'all got to ask me anything. It's pretty easy to ask me a question. Just send me an email at stephenorelse at gmail.com. Just send it on in. Ask me uh, what size shoes I wear. Uh, Ask me what my favorite color is. Ask me how I prefer to spend a Sunday afternoon. Or ask me if... I pluck my nasal hair. So it doesn't matter. Ask me anything. As long as it's safe for a child to hear, I will answer your questions. Uh, Provided you're not asking me stuff like, what's your date of birth? Uh, What's your social security number? What's your mother's maiden name? Stuff I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you ways to steal my identity. Um, Now, if you could steal my identity and then take over all my debt then we might, we might, I might be willing to talk to you about that, but that's not usually the way it works. So I'm not going to give you information that's going to let you become me. Trust me, you don't want to be me. 
So the music from this episode, the intro and the outro is by Trinity X. Uh, you can find it and uh, more music from the band at Bandcamp over at Atomic Zombie Records. The link will be in the show notes. The rest of the musical, uh, the rest of the music, as I said, is by Michael Kill. You can find him at michaelkill.com. That's M-I-K-A-L-K-H-I-L-L.com. You can also find him over at Bandcamp at michaelhill.bandcamp.com. Again, the links will be in the show notes. All you have to do is click on them and boom, you're there. Michael Kill, I, I will tell you, since I do keep the podcast clean, um, he is a fan of dropping F-bombs in his songs. His songs are amazing. I'm a huge fan of Michael Kill. And he's also a super freaking nice guy. Uh, but he does not make music for children. So just keep that in mind if you're going out and you want to get, for example, his newest album, Human Disaster, and listen to it and just just make sure you know that there are words that you may not want your children to hear. He also has a really great EP called Beachy Keen in which he has taken uh, a few of his songs uh, and turned them into uh, beach music. Friggin' genius. But that's Michael Kill. Check him out if you liked any of the songs that I played in this episode. And of course, I only played songs that I like. So obviously they're good songs because frankly, I have great taste. So that's it, folks. Uh, tell me what you think of the show. Send me an email, else at gmail.com. Leave me an iTunes review. Uh, send me a pie through the mail. Of course, I'm not going to give you my address. Uh, but, you know, if you wanted to send me a pie, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But I, as much as I would like a pie to be sent to me through the mail or maybe some cheesecake, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, if you want to support me in any way, there's actually two different ways you can do that. You can join my Patreon and be a patron for as little as a dollar a month. If you do that, you automatically get exclusive access to my other podcast called My Other Podcast. If you're not somebody who wants to commit to monthly payments, you can buy me a coffee for as little as $3. That's over at uh, the coffee website, Um which the URL I don't have in front of me, but the link will be in the show notes. You can just go in, say, buy this man a coffee, and I get three bucks. The reason why it's called coffee is because it's the price of a coffee. You know, don't go to Starbucks today. Spend the three bucks on me. That's what you should do. Or not, you know, it's up to you. I don't have a lot of money to throw around, so it's not like I'm asking you to do something that I do all the time. I'm perfectly happy with you listening to this podcast every week. Uh, without any monetary involvement. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't do it, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't give it away for free. And I do because I enjoy it, and I think y'all are awesome, and I like listening to the sound of my own voice over and over and over and over again. So that's the end of the episode. Hey, let's try to be positive in life, people. I know it's a really crappy world out there, and... There are a lot of people out there who it seems like their goal in life is to bring you down, but you can't let them do that. You got to be positive. You got to smile. You got to be nice. You got to be polite. And then maybe other people will take a cue and start doing it as well. Those are my words to you, people. If you, if, if you want to, if you want people to be nice to you, you got to be nice to them. You know, the golden rule is treat people the way you want others to treat you. And if that really is the golden rule and if people are, are out there following it, man, there must be a bunch, a bunch of people that want me to be a jerk. 
because there are a lot of jerks out there. But I try not to give it back. I try to remain polite, happy, and keep the positivity flowing because that's how the world goes around, folks. Let's keep it positive out there. Let's enjoy life. Let's read some comics. And let's just be us. Can we do that? Let's do it. See ya! Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.